Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Today, we're going to talk about romance across the veil. And you're going to meet Mary Beth Span Mank, who is a puppeteer and a former elementary school teacher and freelance writer. In fact, she's authored over 45 teacher resource books and over 75 for children. However, her husband Paul passed into the spirit world. And when she went on a search for the afterlife, what she found is amazing. She and her friend, author William Murray, whose wife has passed from cancer, together they have created a Facebook group called Love After Life. Mary Beth, welcome. Sandra, thank you so much for having me on your show. I am so honored. I'm honored for many reasons because you have so many stellar stars on your show, so many fabulous voices. But also I'm honored because you're someone who everyone admires. I have to say I've been in the afterlife community for a few years now, and I have never heard a disparaging word about Sandra Champlain. Everyone oh, loves you because you, you are sincere and warm and humorous and supportive and understanding. And I'm just so very jazzed to be on your show. Very honored. Oh, I feel the I same also- way. Let me just interrupt you for a second, because I know you are a real person with a real story. And even though neither one of us are, you know, superstar celebrities in the world, we've both experienced our own grief, and we're here to share. And I think that's what makes our stories real, believable, and that we can make a difference with others. So I feel the same way about you. Yes, well, thank you so much. Like many of your listeners who come to you, I think most people, I would venture most people come to learning about the afterlife and about our intrigue because they have, quote unquote, lost someone Mm -hmm. to death. My, My own parents have passed and a very dear aunt of mine passed. And I was sad when they did, but nothing prepared me for the grief I felt when my husband passed. I felt like a train hit me or a wrecking ball hit me. I've never felt that level of pain. So my story with my husband, Paul, goes like this. I was born in Dublin, Ireland, and adopted into a family in Buffalo, New York. I grew up in Buffalo, and when I was in high school, I met Paul, and I was instantly smitten. We just got along so well, and we started dating. And on our very first date, he said to me, Mary Beth, I, this was 1970, to give you an idea of the mm-hmm. time frame. Uh, he said to me, Mary Beth, I really like you. And, uh, and I want to go steady with you, which is oh, made my heart flutter. 
and I want to exchange high school rings, which is something we did back in the day. But he said, I'm only 17, and I'm expecting to probably go away to college, which was really unheard of in our little industrial city of Buffalo, New York. Nobody went away to college. But Paul was very smart. He was our high school valedictorian. So he was smart and funny and adorable, and I was just smitten. And he said to me, I just don't want you to get hung up on me too much. And I said, okay. Right. <laughs> and I proceeded to completely fall in love with him. Yes. And I wasn't really even with him all that long. I wasn't, it was only really several months. But in that time, we just laughed our heads off. We had the best time. And then one day he came to me, he walked me home from school and he held out his hand and in his hand was my high school ring, which was an indication, you know, I'm giving this back to you. Um, You know, this is it for us. And I gave him back his ring. And I don't know where this came from, Sandra, really and truly. I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. Of course, I sobbed and I was so upset and so sad and hugged him and everything. And I watched him. I went, he went home and I looked out my window and saw him walking away literally and figuratively. And I thought to myself, I'm not upset. I'm not angry with him. I don't harbor any ill will against him because if you love someone unconditionally, you want for them what they want for themselves. And if Paul wanted to date other people, even though I wanted to just be with him, I had to allow him his path. Mm -hmm. I had to let him go with love. And that's what I did. I let him go with love. And we lived, we were neighborhood kids, so I would still see him at school, and, and then we graduated, and I went to the local university, and he did as well. Further down the line, one day he came to me, and he said, you know, I'm thinking, you know, would you like to go out to the movies? And again, my heart left. I said, yes, yes, yes. And the next day he came and said, I can't take you out to the movies. I'm still not ready for that one person. And so I had to let him go again. And we, a number of times this happened. And then eventually I married someone. And he married someone and I moved to Long Island. And my first husband was a lovely man, really lovely. And I was nice to him and he was nice to me. And we never had an argument, but I didn't love him. But one night in the middle of the night, I woke up and I went out in our little living room. We had a beautiful home. I went out in our little living room and I thought, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And he came out. This is husband number one. He came out and said to me, what's wrong? And I said, well, I love you, but I don't love you the way a wife's supposed to love a husband. And he said, I know. And that was it. And the next day we started splitting up our house and selling everything, you know, going through the process of splitting up and all that. After that, I met husband number two, um, a man named Frank, who I'm still friendly with. And he and I have two beautiful young adult children together. Now they're young adults. And um, that relationship didn't work out either. And eventually online, before Facebook, I connected with Paul. This was 31 years after we had split up. And instantly, all the love came back. Instantly, within, a, within an instant. But I was in a marriage. He was in a marriage. And we could not be together. He, we didn't even live. We didn't live states and states apart. And so finally, he was the one who said, we cannot communicate like this anymore. And so we didn't. We didn't talk, call or email or anything for years. And my husband and I split up and we were very friendly. We bought two houses across the street from each other. (laughs) And um, eventually what happened with Paul was he had a heart attack. And in the ambulance, he said to himself, if I don't leave this marriage, I'll never see her again. And so 
by then his children were adults and they were out of the house, graduated from college. And so he left his marriage and then we were together and we were together 10 years. And at first it was a long distance relationship with me on Long Island, writing, being a writer. And he lived in Michigan and we would see each other often because I would fly to be with him and bring work with me, or he would come to see me or we would meet in Buffalo where we grew up because we both had family there still. And it was really, really wonderful. But my children were younger than his, and I couldn't leave Long Island to be with him because they were still teenagers. So eventually they were old enough, and I moved to be with Paul, the love of my life. But I wasn't even here in Michigan a year before he was diagnosed with the cancer. And then we had an 18-month cancer journey, Mm -hmm. as I called it, and then he passed. And Again, I felt flattened. I told my two children, who I love so dearly, I said to them, I don't even want to be here. I was not suicidal like some people report, but I just, there was nothing that held any interest for me in this Mm -hmm. world initially. And what I did, Sandra, was I got things like your book Mm -hmm. and on and on and on, book after book after book after book. And I would lay in bed for months reading books about the afterlife and watching videos about the afterlife. And little by little by little, I began to trust that this mountain of evidence that is out there that I wasn't even aware of at all, and I don't understand how people cannot be aware of it because it is so ginormous, but most people that I know, even my family members, will say, well, we don't really know what happens when we die. And while I would venture that we may not know exactly every detail, about what happens when we die. It's like standing at the bottom of a mountain and looking at the mountain and saying, I don't see a mountain. Mm-hmm. Once you see it, once it's there in front of you, it's impossible to ignore the huge amount of evidence. After Paul passed and you know we made the best of his journey, one of the very last things he said to me, Sandra, one of the very, very last things he said, and he was so, so desperately ill. He literally died a couple of days later, so ill. Mm-hmm. He said to me, we were sitting on his on his hospital bed, and he had all these, you know, you know what tubes coming out of every yes. part of his body. And he was so, so, so desperately ill by then. We were just, I was just sitting side by side, our legs dangling over the edge of the bed. People, when they're dying, they're often restless at night. They don't sleep well, and they're mm-hmm. up and down and all over the place. And he just very quietly said, you know, I think this whole thing has brought us even closer together. And to me, that was worth a million I love you's because Mm -hmm. that's really what it was. The cancer journey, as much as it was an unwanted journey, there's something to appreciate in it, which was that we grew even closer together. I appreciated him more than I ever, ever did before. And then when he passed, even more. My dad passed of cancer, as you know, and those last five months, although it wasn't husband-wife relationship, talk about appreciation and that love for each other and even getting to know who we are and what we're capable of as human beings. I wouldn't do it any other way. Well, that's another thing is that when Paul was first diagnosed, a family member said to me, well, what are you going to do? And I had been working as, I'm a teacher, I've been working in a school here. And I said, well, I'm not going back to work because he was diagnosed in the summer. I said, I'm not going back in the fall because I want to, you know, I want to spend every minute with him. He said, well, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm his caregiver. And this was in the beginning when Paul did not look ill. And the family member said, well, what, what do you mean caregiving? You're not doing anything for him. And I said, well, I go to his doctor appointments with him. 
And he said something very crude that I cannot even repeat here, but he basically said, well, yeah, what are you going to have to do when you have to do something unsavory to help him? And I said, well, I guess I'll just do it. But I laid awake all night thinking, I've never been with a desperately ill person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Am I up to the, I yes. don't know. What, oh my God. I never I even bet you rose to the occasion, didn't you? Well, not only that, but I think, and I don't think I'm extraordinary in Mm -hmm. that. I love Paul, still continue to love him so much that you don't even think twice about it. It's anything, you can do anything that they want, anything to make them comfortable, Mm -hmm. anything to help them. And I'm sure you were the same. Everybody's the same pretty much, I think. And so when looking back on it, I thought, oh my gosh, I never would have thought that I would have been able to do the things I needed to do to help him. We should definitely all be proud of who we've been for our loved ones. Absolutely. Mary Beth, when we come back from the break, I want to know about you and your connection to Paul in the afterlife. So everyone stay tuned. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Hey folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash shades. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels 
a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, folks, it's easier than ever to become a Coast to Coast AM insider and have access to past shows, the Art Bell Vault with classic audio and interviews, and so much more. And you can listen to the show live or on demand with your computer or cell phone, and the audio streams are high quality and crystal clear. It's easy to become an insider. Just head on over to coasttocoastam.com, the website, and you'll find all the info right there. That's coasttocoastam.com, coasttocoastam.com. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we're here with Mary Beth Spanmank talking about romance across the veil. Mary Beth, what were the things that started happening for you to realize that Paul was still alive in the afterlife? The first time I realized it, well, first of all, for your listeners, something that's helpful to me for those who may or may not be familiar with this, is I had a little bit of background with this because for years before I even worried about anything about death, I had been listening to Abraham Hicks. The messages just feel good because if you're putting yourself in a feel-good place, everything else falls into place. I think when you feel good, you know, you're connected to, as they call it, source energy, pure positive energy. And when you feel good, you feel like helping other people. You feel loving. You know, it doesn't do us any good at all to wallow in pain, to be martyrs. I mean, pain is part of our human experience, but I use it as a little temple bell to say, oh, wait a minute. I don't like feeling like this. How can I help myself feel better? And that's really basically Abraham's message. Along the way, they often talk about the fact that there is no death. There is no death. We continue on. But they talk about it in very broad brush strokes. And so I had that in the back of my mind, that there is no death. I sort of knew that, but I didn't have to really think about it until Paul passed. And then I was desperate for where is he? Where is he? And one time, not long, a few days after he passed, I was at the sink brushing my teeth. And all of a sudden, I felt like a whoosh, a sensibility of Paul. And it wasn't a memory. You know, it wasn't like I was remembering that time we went out to dinner or that time that we uh, went on the trip to Hawaii. It wasn't like that. It was just like whoosh, like, oh, wow. 
But instantly, as my Zoom room partner, uh, William Murray, would say, because he had that, everybody has that experience at one point or another, it instantly triggers the missing of them. Sure. So you get that love feeling, and then all the, like within like one millionth of a second, you're bursting into tears. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I began to notice when it happened more and more. And sometimes it would happen from a memory. On purpose, I would do a memory, like we remember, Paul, or something we did together. And other times it would just be spontaneous. And I love the spontaneous ones because it didn't come from my, at least my conscious awareness. So I began to, you know, notice that more and more and see different things, see different signs from him. And one of the strongest signs I had from him was I couldn't remember the dress I had worn when we finally could be together, as he would say, street legal. I couldn't remember. And I, I'm thinking, how can I forget what I wore? That must have been so, I remember the day, I remember the moment. How could, I can't remember what I wore. And I was visiting a friend on Long Island, staying at a friend's home. And when I had moved to Michigan, I had given away a lot of my things. And I had given her a lot of my clothes. And I looked in her closet to see if I could find the dress in question. And I couldn't find it. And she said to me, Mary Beth, my son and his family are coming over. They're going on a trip for two weeks across the country. And uh, they're coming over and in walks the family and the daughter is wearing the dress. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's it. There's the dress. The odds of me being there out of town, her family coming over at that moment, they were going to go out of town for two weeks. The odds of the daughter, the granddaughter wearing the dress are so astronomical. It just took my breath away. Mm -hmm. And I have a book of those different things and things like that. The other thing I did, though, in my travels, I found my way to Victor and Wendy Zamet's Afterlife Report. And there was a video about a woman and a man who communicated across the veil. And I had never heard of anything like that. And so I clicked on it, and that led me to the work of medium Leslie Flint. Mm. So can we talk about that? You bet we can. So I listened to this clip that was on the Afterlife Report, and it was Dr. Dinshaw Nanji speaking with his wife, Annie Nanji, and she is in spirit and he is here. Mm -hmm. And I was fascinated by this. I couldn't believe this. And I began to look to find out more about who this medium was and who these people were and all about this. And Leslie Flint, he was a what they call a direct voice medium. Now, most mediums that we know... They're what we call mental mediums. They receive mental messages and impressions and all that. Right. Leslie Flint was different. The direct voice piece of it is not a mental mediumship. It's also not where you're channeling like Esther Hicks does, where you bring voices through and you and, and you use your own voice to speak mm-hmm. the spirit's words. It's not like that. You're sitting in a room and the voice of the spirits come into the room and everyone in the room hears them, including the medium. And Leslie Flint did not sit in trance. He was fully aware and awake. He did sit in the dark. He did have, and this is part, I can read about it. I can never 100% understand it, but he did have the ectoplasm that a lot of physical mediums have come out of him. But he was aware and awake and would converse with the spirits as well as everyone else in the room. And he was alive between 1911 and he passed in 1994. So he had a Mm -hmm. very long life. He was into his 80s. He had his first seance at age 17. And he began to develop under the tutelage of a woman named Edith Munden, who he eventually married. She was older, but she was like his mentor and his friend. And he really loved her for that. And after World War II, 
broke out in 1933, his work began to take off. The thing about it that I've read is that during times of war, World War One and World War Two, when there's a great amount of death, mm-hmm. people's interest in the afterlife really spike. That's right. And so... Yes. And so he had many, many sitters. Interestingly, though, he never charged a penny for his seances. Don't you love that? Doesn't that speak to me? And he's also, I'm sure you know this, one of the most tested mediums that lived on planet Earth. I mean, tested by so many to make sure he wasn't making those voices appear, that he wasn't like a ventriloquist. And the real voices of people's loved ones appeared in midair, so to speak. So Right. Carl Jackson Barnes, he recently reached out to me and he said, Mary Beth, listen to this Leslie Flint recording. And there was nothing. It was him and another person sitting and waiting and waiting for half an hour and no one showed up. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it just showed that he couldn't conjure up people. He wasn't imitating anything. This was really real. That's right. So. And the other thing I love about the Leslie Flint Educational um, Trust is it's on the website. People can go there. You can listen to the recordings for free. They're available for free. In the 1950s, there were two sitters, George Woods and Betty Green, who began recording them because by then they had some recording equipment. And they we now have one over 1,000 seances recorded. There are, I believe, 32 of what they call the Annie Nanji recordings on the Trust website. Let me just say, people can find this website, leslieflint.com. Yeah, so I listened to the Nanji recording. I was fascinated. And then I went to the website, and I saw all these recordings. from. I mean, there's many other people, some yes. famous people, some not-so-famous people. But I was interested in the Nanjis because that was a husband and wife. And they were soulmates and they were romantic with each other. And I wanted to listen to all of them. The problem was that out of the 30, I think there were maybe two that were transcribed. And number one, I'm hard of hearing. Number two, because it was not just one person coming to speak with sitters, in other words, one spirit person coming in, it was Dinshaw Nanji speaking with his wife, and then there was Mr. Flint and often his spiritual sidekick, Mickey. And sometimes they're all talking at the same time, and it's really hard for me to understand what they're saying, and they have accents. So I contacted, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure if I contacted Jack Terrence Andrews or Carl Jackson Barnes about this, but I said to them, why are there not more transcriptions? It makes it so much easier to listen and read along. They said they have to be done by hand by volunteers and we don't have volunteers. And I said, I'll volunteer to do it. And so I started doing it. And man, oh man, is it tedious. Let me just tell you, because I try to get them exact because I'm, you know, the spirit voices and and this historic seance. And it would take me for maybe a minute of recording. It would take me like two hours to get a tiny, teeny bit. Each seance is about a half an hour long. But in doing that, I felt like I really began to know these people. I felt like they were friends of mine, and I recognized in them, even though the things that they discuss are different than what Paul and I discussed and all that, the love and the devotion and the excitement that they had just to be communicating with each other was something that was very, very familiar to me. And it gave me such hope that this would be true for Paul and me. And it was so very believable. And the other thing I loved about it, I always say to people that Dr. Dinshananji, who was a chemist from India, and that's significant because often scientists are not so willing to step into our community. Mm-hmm. And as you listen to the recordings through the years, as 15 years 
worth of recordings. Dinshaw met with Mr. Flint twice a year. You can see his own grief lifting off of him and through the years, through the conversations. And toward the end, he's saying, oh, yes, I'm an 80-year-old man. And people don't even believe this of me. Don't I look good? (laughs) (laughs) And you can see that, you know, as long as he knows she's there, as long as we know our loved ones are there and they're happy and they're healthy and they love us and we will be reunited in the relationship we are familiar with, as long as we know that that continues in that way and that's what the Nanji recordings reassured me of, then I can go on. I can go on. And in the recordings, which there's like so much stuff to talk, you know, so many references that it would be impossible, obviously, to bring your listeners every single piece of it. But the relationship here continues. It's, it continues right now as a trans-dimensional relationship, as William Murray coined it. Mm-hmm. And when we get over there, it continues the way it is. I love them because when I listen to the recording, Sandra, I pick up on kind of four different categories of conversation that this husband and wife have with each other. Okay. And the first is that they just have ordinary husband-wife banter. Some of the people who have listened to the tapes, they say it's almost like you're eavesdropping on them, you know, in their for the privacy of their home. For example, <laughs> this cracked me up. One day she said to him, that hat you're wearing. And he says, yes, I'm wearing She says, well, it's just so old. I want you to get a new hat. And he says, no, it's fine. And she said, no, 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 it's so old. I want you to go out and get yourself a new hat and that will be from me. And isn't that like so typical of so many marriages where people say, oh, you're wearing that today? Oh, that's funny. And you're right. Having these audios, it's like she's right there in the room, which is the point. Heaven or the afterlife isn't out there somewhere in the clouds. People exist with us just on a different vibration, but they're very real. So let's take our next break. And when we come back, we'll hear about the three other things you were talking about. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Coast to Coast AM mobile app is here and waiting for you right now. And with the app, you can hear classic shows from the past seven years, listen to the current live show, and get access to the Art Bell Vault where you can listen to uninterrupted audio. Head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website. We have a handy video guide to help you get the most out of your mobile app usage. All the info is waiting for you now at coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, producer Tom here reminding you to make sure and check out our official Coast to Coast AM YouTube channel. For many of us, YouTube is our go-to place for audio-visual media, and we here at Coast to Coast are happy to share free hour-long excerpts of Coast to Coast AM with you, our loyal fans and new listeners. Our YouTube channel offers many different Coast to Coast AM hour-long pieces of audio on numerous topics, including ufology, extraterrestrials, conspiracies, strange creatures, prophecies, and much, much more. There's even a section that includes our most popular uploads, such as many of the David Pilates shows on people dis appearing in national parks to visit or subscribe just go to youtube and type in coast to coast am official or you can simply go to the coast to coast am.com website and click on the youtube icon at the top it's the official coast to coast am youtube channel you're gonna love this just get on over to coast to coast am.com and start your free listening now Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. Mary Beth, you were saying what you have heard is that our loved ones are right here with us witnessing what's happening. Can you talk a little bit more about 
what's being said on these recordings. Throughout the number of different recordings, every so often she'll say to him things like, you're keeping my things, as she says, my bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'll never part with any of them. And she says, oh, you know, it's okay. And he says, no, when I die, that'll be time for the other people can get rid of them. Then I won't need them. But right now, he says, I often bury my face in your clothes and I smell them. I mean, how many of us have done that with a loved one? So these little reports, even though the little tiny threads into their life, for me, it made me feel like we're all the same. Yes. We're all, we know how many people have felt this. Everybody, most everybody, unless you know you pass when you're a baby, most everybody feels this kind of thing. Annie's very funny. And she also tells Mr. Flint that he eats too much and he's too fat. And everybody laughs laughs in the seance. I mean, in a good way, really. (laughs) It's the the seances are funny. They're upbeat. There's nothing heavy or desperate or horrible about them. One of my favorite quotes, he says to her, when I come to see you, when I, in other words, when I pass and I'm with you, will I be able to feel your kiss on my lips? And she says, of course, of course you will. She said, our world is as solid to us as yours is to you. And I love that. I love that. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And for me, it implies even more than a kiss. You know, people want more than that. They want the full whole experience with a, a romantic loved one. And so she's reassuring him, of course, darling, of course, of course, of course, that's the way it is. And she says she comes to him and she touches his hand and she... You know, or she knocks on the wall. She does all these different things that people report, you know, signs from their loved one. Also, she says, interestingly, that if he goes shopping and he sees something he would have purchased for her if she were here, she says, I see you shopping for me and I see you wanting to pick things for me. And I tell you, I am replicating them in our life here. And when you get here, you will see them. Oh, so that's, that's sweet. That's kind of cool. So, yeah. So it's a very you know, real morning, world, the spirit world. Yes. Very real. Yes. Yes. And every morning I pour coffee. I pour two cups of coffee. If you were here right now, you'd see two cups of coffee on my mm-hmm. table, one for Paul and one for me. You know, and I sit and I talk to him sometimes mentally and sometimes out loud. One time I, uh, I thought to myself, you know, sometimes I drink his cup too, but sometimes I just pour it down the sink and I think, oh, it's kind of a waste. And I had a reading, I'm not kidding you, with a medium online. I wasn't even talking to her. It was just in a chat room. And she was reading me. And she said, he's bringing me the smell of coffee. And he's saying, it's not a waste. And she didn't even know what that meant. Oh, that's great. I know. Isn't that cool? So a lot of the Annie Nanji and Dinshan Nanji parallels to, you know, what I'm experiencing in my life here. So when I pour Paul a cup of coffee, I imagine he is receiving that. A lot of people, I want to just make this point that a lot of people who are grieving are looking for signs from their loved one. And what William Murray and I tell people is, don't worry about that so much. Just start by giving them signs. You know what I mean? It's the opposite. Like, pour the cup of coffee for them. I love that. Yes. Go shopping and pick up something. Pick up, like I don't know, you know, some flowers or something and say, "Mm, these are for you. You don't even have to really buy them. Or you could buy them and bring them home for him or her. And then once you begin to raise your own feelings and feel better, 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 you will notice them because they are around you all the time. It's just that sometimes in grief, we're so distracted and so upset and so sad. 
it empowers you to be able to do something yourself. Mm. You know, write them a letter. Write them a letter. Mary Uh, Beth, this is good. I have not heard it put this way. Give them a sign. And it really is the acting as if they're with you. Pour the cup of coffee. Whether you don't buy a gift in your mind saying, this is what I have for you. And whether it's flowers, whether it is a gift. And I've heard Scott Milligan, who's a physical medium, say they get the gifts when we think it, when we present it. So being proactive, acting as if they're with you, talking to them, including them. And that does make us feel better. And in turn, when our vibrations are higher, and that's what I believe it takes for them to communicate with us. So I think you just said something like brilliant. And you no, may not true. realize how brilliant, but brilliant. Sometimes it's the ordinary things. One of the women oh, in our group, good. Uh, in, in our afterlife group, whose husband passed, and she's alone. She lives alone, and she's elderly, lovely woman. But her family's not on board with this. And according to her, they think she's, you know, lost her crackers or whatever. <laughs> oh, I think. But she said she was people think that so sad and yeah. just walking around her house alone, empty, sobbing, sobbing, desperately crying. She says screaming for her house, screaming. Mm-hmm. So William and I, you know, said to just talk to him. And she said, I just, even though I felt silly all by myself, I did it. I talked aloud to him. And she said, I started feeling him. I really started, began to feel him around me. And she tells about all, she says, now I can tell he's sitting right here. I mean, so it really does work to help you raise your vibration. And it's also not about just them giving to you. It's about you giving. I'd love to hear more about how you came together with William. And you had said something to me earlier about affirmations that William uses and how it impacts your grief and talk about your Facebook group and your Zoom room. If I may, just before I go there, I just want to close out with Ananji with one very wonderful quote that she said that I think is really, well, there's two things that I think Mm -hmm. is really helpful for people who are suffering the way I was suffering. He was talking about the fact that he went to a garden where they had a park or something where they had been, and he was starting to get a little teary and he remembered and he's longing for her, even though he could talk to her. He could yeah, still, he's still, still long, you know, something we would all, oh my God, we would all like give our right arm for. He had that, but it still wasn't enough. You know, he wanted to be with her. And he said, I go to the spot where you were. And I recall those precious moments. And she said, but they will come again hmm. and they will be even more wonderful here. When you come, you will understand things. I cannot possibly tell you because words, I don't know. If you try to remember the wonderful things and the wonderful happenings we shared here, it is so much more. When you come to me, that's all I care about. And every time she comes to him, she's all excited. And she's, she always says, oh, what shall we talk about? What shall we, she has this little Swedishy accent. What shall we talk about now? She says to him, oh, my darling, I can think of nothing, but I love you. But that is everything. And I think, oh, my God, it's just food for my soul. My God, my Paul is still there. He's with me every day. He's waiting for me and he's loving me. And that's what I want to reassure that that is true for all of us. You know, if you're someone who lost a husband or a sweetheart or a fiance or whatever, twin soul. Go listen to the Anandji, and I, I've done five of the record or five of the transcripts, and we have a couple other people working on them as well. Just that they take forever. Oh, I know, <laughs> but this is all going to come together but, eventually in a book. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. that's my yes. My, our goal, yes. So we're working on a book, and the book will be like a guidebook for the Anandjis, and. Any of the proceeds will go back to the trust because if Jack curates the website, of course, that costs money. And to all these things, you know, things cost money, even with volunteers. And so 
we feel like this will be a help to people like me. So most definitely, because we can all map on our relationships, even though, you know, it isn't our loved ones speaking through it, but you'll see how real they are. Be patient, take a breath. And something else that was interesting from Carl was I said to him, sometimes I lament the fact that some of my nearest and dearest are not on board with this. And it's hard to share my enthusiasm Mm -hmm. for it with them. And he said, I don't share it with people. I don't, unless he knows they're like-minded. That's right. But he said, I just don't. And I think you want someone to be so excited to share it like, with the people that you're closest to. But if they're not on board, it can be very discouraging. And the last thing we need is any sort of discouragement. So just bless them and let them have their mm-hmm. own path and share with the people who you know are going to go hip, hip, hooray. As for William Murray, is on the afterlife, uh, many of the afterlife groups, and he was married to his wife, Irene, uh, soulmates. They were married for many years, uh, over 20 years together, and Irene passed from cancer as well. And he wrote a book that's online. It's called Love After Life. It's an Amazon book that's available for uh, $2.99, like really minimal amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also has a blog. And if you Google his name, William Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, and blog, it'll come up. Love After Life is his blog. And the book is available as a PDF for free on his blog page if you nice. want to look at that. So, yeah. So William and I were on these other afterlife groups and began to gravitate toward each other as law of attraction will have people who are like-minded gravitate toward each other. And William began to just, first he described how the grief was so incredibly searing it was horrible for him you know he was having panic attacks he was throwing up he couldn't imagine life without his Irene right and uh, they have six children between the two of them and you know he wasn't ready to take himself out and so William though is very smart he's like my mentor and he and I both agreed in our own heads not with each we hadn't even communicated but I mean we were in agreement with this fact that there is no death And that if we were going to feel our loved ones around us, we had to lift ourselves up out of that deep, deep grief. You know, his learning was a little bit different than mine. I've learned from a lot of different teachers, but much of our teachings were the same that we brought to this grief experience. And William decided, which I think was brilliant, that he noticed that when he felt Irene's presence around him, it would feel good for a millisecond, and then that grief would kick in. And he began saying to her out loud, Irene, don't stop coming near me. Let me handle my own grief. I want to feel your love. And he allowed himself to feel it more and more and more and more. And he kept this blog. And in the blog, he started saying, hey, you know what? It's been three weeks. I haven't felt that fearing. Of course, I still long for her, but it's not as bad. And eventually he realized he had eradicated it. And he did it in his book. He has a number of, I guess you could call them action steps that he took to really eradicate the grief. And meanwhile, on my own, irrespective of what William was doing, I was doing similar things. And we found together that we're more in love with our crossed over sweethearts than even we were when they were here. And William says that's part of the purpose of grief. He said, imagine when we get there, how fabulous that reunion how amazing that reunion. Oh my gosh. I know what it's like to have a reunion with someone living that you haven't seen in a very long time. Just imagine what it's like when you cross over and they're all there to greet you, even the pets. We're going to go into our last break and we'll be back with Mary Beth. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. 
Did you know that tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost thanks to the health care law called the Affordable Care Act? Let this be the year you get screening tests that can detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in the way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com. Over five years ago, George Norrie approached me with a unique concept, a dating site for people searching for someone with interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, 
conspiracy theories, and the paranormal. From that, ParanormalDate.com was born. It's a unique site for unique people, and it's free to join to look around. If you want to upgrade and enjoy more of our great features, use promo code GEORGE for a great discount. So check it out. You got nothing to lose. ParanormalDate.com. back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we're with Mary Beth talking about romance across the veil. Mary Beth, what you guys are working on is so important. I think of traditional grief groups, and they don't even touch the afterlife. Many of the other grief groups, the traditional grief groups online, or people, you know, and they're all well-intended, Sandra, mm-hmm. but so of many course. of them really... They really ascribe to the notion that, yes, you love your loved one. Yes, you can communicate with them. Yes, you can feel better. But you're always going to have that hole in your heart. And William and I didn't feel that. And so we kind of broke off and did our own thing. And we have a Facebook group called Love After Life. And we have a Zoom room meeting uh, where we meet every week. And now William and I just sort of sit back and they all kind of talk to each other about, can you imagine this amazing this and this amazing that? And William and I, we really believe that the most paramount thing is to believe that every single thing that happens to you is for your own benefit, including your partner's cancer and including death. Right. Every single thing is for your own benefit. And if you can find the parts to appreciate, I know it sounds, I know it sounds so Pollyanna-ish, but if you can find the parts to appreciate, which is different from gratitude. Gratitude is thank you, thank you, thank you. I would never say that for cancer. Or Paul's passing, by the way. Right. But, I, but there are things I can appreciate about it. That's right. About those things. And if you can find the parts you can appreciate, if you can begin to support yourself from the inside out and do whatever is necessary to make yourself feel better and better and better and better, then you can feel your loved one with you. And I feel Paul with me all the time. I mean, it's funny. I almost feel him coming and going the way you would in a normal situation. Like he went to work and I went to work and then we came back together and had dinner. You know, he's not with me every single second of the day, but there's times where he just kind of whooshes in and I say, Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's the other thing. William says, thank you to everything. Um, People will say, I had the craziest dream last night. I dreamt that my husband and spirit went off and doesn't love me anymore. And William would say, that's your husband visiting, mixed in with your fears. Mm-hmm. That's so right. thank your husband for coming in your and say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so fearful about so many other things. Thank you for showing up. And I promise I'm going to try and feel better. So next time you show up, it's easier for you to get through. So there's nothing that shows up on William's radar, and I'm practiced as well at this, or my radar as something horrible, tragic, disgusting, hideous, nothing, nothing. It's all good. And it's all for our benefit. And the afterlife is real. Our loved ones are right there. They're right here. The afterlife is all about us. It's not anywhere far off. It's not up in the heavens or anything. It's right here. And so that's what we tell people. And here's another thing. William said, you know what? If at the end of our life, let's say we close our eyes and there's nothing. Well, there's not going to be anybody there to say, ha ha, you were wrong. And I would rather live my rest of my life with Irene in my heart and in my life and in my thoughts and in my actions than not have her with me. And so that's why I've chosen to live my life as well. That's beautiful. I do believe we close our eyes and we open them 
and everybody's there, including our animals, our loved ones. Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't, it's not even do I think yes. we go on. It's like I know we go on. Mary Beth, you have been a phenomenal guest. You saying you're just a regular person, as am I, but I do think it is your journey, your pain, your experiences, your interests, your taking the time to go out searching. And now, I tell you, I think you're raising your vibrations also by giving back and um, going through all these many tapes and writing the book and sharing and speaking. And I can't even imagine how many people who have lost their soulmates or think they have lost them that you're able to reunite and give them hope. So thank you for that. Well, and it changed my view on death, of course. I mean, I had my ex-mother-in-law grandma to my kids Mm -hmm. just recently passed. It was sad. I mean, I love her dearly, but I know she's perfectly well and happy and young and fine. And so takes the bite out of death, the death experience when you, when someone you love dies, when you know these things, it still hurts, but it's not so horrible and it's doable. And we're all in this together. And it happens to almost virtually, like I said, unless you die when you're, you know, very, 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 very young, uh, it happens to all of us eventually. I think that, you know, this community and your offerings, your radio show, and everybody who contributes in all their many different ways, not a horrible, hideous thing. It's a very exciting, invigorating, wonderful, sparkling, wondrous world to be in the world of afterlife. And so I'm so glad that Paul ushered me into this. Yeah. And can anyone um, that's lost a loved one, I I hate to use the word lost because they're not lost. Can they be part of your group? Well, yes, as long as they have, um, like, for example, some people come to us and said, my my son died, and we gently and gracefully decline them because we are not experts. We have no notion about what it's like when a child passes. That's a whole different kettle of fish. And so William and I wouldn't even begin to address that. And William goes out of his way every single time he speaks or talks to say to people, in my opinion, in my experience, in my own knowing, this may not be your knowing. That's right. William just recently had an astral projection with Irene that he's talking about, you know, in the groups and things like that. So I don't think it's a secret. And he now is convinced more than ever. He went and met with her. And so that's so exciting. I haven't had that happen. But he'll say, here's how it happened for me. I don't know that this is going to be your path. I don't know. Here's what happened for me. I'll share it with you. But I am not you. And so you're you might not have an astral projection no matter how hard you try because that may not be in the cards for you. I'm not sure exactly how every single, none of us are sure exactly how every single thing works. We don't know how every single thing works here on earth, you know? (laughs) So uh, we always give that caveat that it's not. Our experience may not be exactly your experience, but I will tell you that it's beneficial always, no matter what your circumstances, to always reach for something that feels better, 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 that does serve you and people around you. We can always learn and take nuggets from anything, even if we don't buy into everything we hear. But the name of your Facebook group? Our group is uh, Love After Life. Love yes. And by the way, I, I want to say, Sandra, what you just said, yeah. William and I also have, you know, we have our own things, but we also advise people, take it or leave it, but we also advise people that in the world of the afterlife, you're going to hear things that don't resonate with you. Mm-hmm. And William and I, in an effort to keep our vibration high and happy and loving, if I hear a piece of information that doesn't sound right to me, I just throw it out. 
I don't even pay any attention to it. I don't worry. I did in the past. I would read stuff and I would be in, I, it would throw me for a loop. I'd be sobbing out loud. Now I think, oh, well, that doesn't resonate with me. And I just discard it. Yeah. And maybe that's sticking my head in the sand. I don't know, but I no. don't care. It's okay. <laughs> Take what empowers you. And that goes for any information you get from anybody, whether it's on one of these episodes, a book you read, you know, don't throw the whole thing out because of one thing. Take what empowers you because we are each on our own individual journey. And just exactly. one thing about your Facebook group, I have no problem that you are communicating with people who are interested in the trans-dimensional love life. Uh, and there are great groups like Helping Parents Heal that work with grieving parents and if you're not a grieving parent yes. you know that's may not be the group for you because it is specialized and it, and there are so many well we, we yeah so much you know, other information it's, it's, for it, grievers and yeah and it's possible that some of the tenants and some of the things that we share are useful for those mm -hmm. people but we just don't feel we really feel like that's way out of our element Willie and i are only working on our own experience and what works right. for us and what's been helpful for us that's yes. what we can share yes knowledgeably but my children are here. I, I haven't lost a child, so I can't speak responsibly in any way, manner, or form to anyone who has, for example, lost a child, but yet there are groups who can. We do, yeah. And if someone's listening right now, and on one of these episodes, we have not covered uh, your particular area of grief, I can 99.9% .9 guarantee you that I know someone to connect you with or a Facebook group. So feel free to write me, sandrachamplain at gmail.com, and I will be able to connect you with the right group or several of them. But Mary Beth, it's time for us to uh, say our final words. Yeah, I knew it would go by fast, but yeah, do you have any a couple of final words you want to share? And then I will... Uh close out the one of the interview yeah one of, one, of, one of the little you know i have all these different little axioms and things and little little um you know affirmations i mean william william well, some of william's affirmations are things like you know irene irene you and i are together irene we are in love i know you're right here you know he constantly would reassure himself that way and in his book he has all of them listed so you can go and read his book for free but one of the little sayings i love that i often say to myself that i picked up in some little wacky book that mm -hmm. actually talks to you about how you can prepare a body for death yourself, which I wasn't <laughs> intending to do. Yeah. But, but I had a little quote in the beginning of the book, and it said, Mary meet, M-E-R-R-Y, Mary meet, and Mary part, and Mary meet again. Oh. And that's, for me, that sums up life. Mary meet, Mary part, Mary meet again. I met Paul when I was a teenager. We parted ways. I met him again when I was adult, an adult. We came together for a full, fabulous relationship. You know, we parted in a certain way when he took off for the flip side. And we will meet again. And that's true for everyone. Oh, I so love I love it. that. It's, it's just it's just so buoyant and happy. And I like cheerful things. Marry me and marry part and marry meet again. And Sandra, I will marry me again with you. Mary Beth, you bet we're going to marry meet again. Absolutely. And for our listeners, thanks for listening. Here are some sites you'll want to know. First of all, the Leslie Flint Trust website is leslieflint.com. And you can play thousands of recorded voices and conversations from people in the afterlife. Really fantastic. On Facebook, if you do have a significant other in the afterlife, 
join the group Love After Life. Either you can Google William Murray blog Love After Life or go to transdimensionallove.blogspot.com. And of course, our home base is We Don't Die. You can join our Facebook group, meet a lot of people, listen to past episodes, attend a free Sunday gathering with medium demonstration included in everyone, take courses, find out about grief, and so much more. In closing, I'm Sandra Champlain. I want to thank you for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And if you like this episode of Shades of the Afterlife, wait until you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.